Hey there to all the fans of the Little Man Big Mouth podcast. This is Hefeweizen Podcast Productions with a production note at the beginning. Due to some technical issues, this episode is getting out a little later than anticipated. So a few of the news pieces might be a little late, but Jonah and Gabriel are excited to share all their things with you. So here it is, the latest episode of the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast. Welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I'm a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. My guest today is George Hasiotis, a rising sophomore offensive lineman for the Community School of Naples, who already has 10 D1 offers. But first, let's get into the news. Florida is back, baby. The Panthers have shocked the world by beating the Boston Bruins, who had the most wins in NHL history in, ga- in seven games, beat the Leafs in five games, and swept the Hurricane. Now, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Panthers are here because of two big players. Matthew Kachuk, with 40 goals and 69 assists in the regular season, and now, in the playoffs, he's had nine goals in six games, with 12 assists. And the goalie, Sergei Bobrovsky. This playoffs, Sergei Bobrovsky has had a 93.5 save percentage this playoff run. The Panthers have also scored six overtime goals in six games. These Panthers have shown everybody not to mess with Florida. Speaking of Florida, here's our Miami insider, our very own, Gabriel Miller. The Heat are back after a roller coaster of a season. And after an amazing game two in the NBA championship, it looks like the Heat are going to bring another chip to South Beach. But how did the Heat get back to this position? Through undrafted free agents such as Gabriel Vincent, Max Struess, Caleb Morton, and everybody's favorite, Duncan Robinson. And you cannot forget about Himmy Butler, who has been on another level this postseason, dominating the title favorites, Milwaukee Bucks in five, du- beating the Knicks while injured in six games, and getting revenge on the Boston Celtics in seven. Jimmy Buckets and Heat Culture are leaving their fingerprints all over this postseason. And you cannot forget about Eric Spolstra, the Heat's coach, who is arguably one of the greatest to ever hold a clipboard on an NBA hardwood. His mid-game adjustments to shut down Jason Tatum and Jamal Murray have been instrumental in this playoff run. Let's go, Heat! Let's go, Heat! Let's go, Heat! Thank you, Gabe, for that Miami Insider. Now it is time for Strange News. This week, it's a matter of inches. On the golf course, we share with the story of Lee Hudges, a PGA pro who could not catch a break. 
Playing the 17th hole, Lee's putt fell just short, with part of the ball hanging over the cup. Lee took his time, walked over, and hoping it would go in. He gave up and finally started to walk up to tap the ball in, only to see it to fall in on its own. The crowd cheered, but the rules official gave him a stroke penalty for waiting 34 seconds, which they felt was too long before hitting the ball. The result, a par that turned into a bogey, without even swinging his club again. Meanwhile, the folks in Hailthorpe, Maryland, which it only took 34 seconds to fix their one and a half inch problem. Residents have been waiting months for a new bridge to open on US Route 1 over a series of train tracks. The problem, the railroad company measured and found that the bridge is built 1.5 inches too short, meaning that trains would crash into it. They would gladly have taken a one-shot penalty to resolve the issue. Instead, it's going to take at least another six months to a year to fix the problem. If only they had the PGA rule officials overseeing their engineers. Alright, that does it for this week's Strange News. Now it is time to give you, the fans, a voice in sports. For our fan rant this week, we welcome in rabid Seattle Mariners fan, Benny Schoenfeld, to share how he is feeling about his team a couple months into the season. Now it is time for Fan Rant. Each episode, we bring on a fan who rants or talks about their favorite team for two minutes straight. No breaks, no stops, no questions asked. This week, we have one of the biggest fans of the Seattle Mariners, Ben Schoenfeld. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Your time starts now. All righty, so let's talk about the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners right now, after uh, we're recording this on Saturday, June 3rd, are 29 and 28. Our main strength this year is our starting rotation. We have four pitchers in the top 40 in ERA. That includes Luis Castillo. He is the ace of our rotation. Past three starts, he has given up only one run in 18 innings. Next up, we have George Kirby. He has elite-level command, only six walks in 71 innings pitched. He has a 3.04 ERA, and his K-to-walk ratio would be the fourth best since 1900 if he, can, if he sustains it throughout the year. Next up, we have Bryce Miller. He was called up in May. He was a top 100 prospect. And his first five starts, he allowed fewer than four base runners in all of them. He also has elite level command with under a 3% walk percentage this year. We also have Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, also known as the Bulldog in our rotation. And since Marco's now hurt, Brian Wu is making his first start today on Saturday, June 3rd. And a lot of Mariners fans are excited. The bullpen is doing okay. It's middle of the pack. And um, But all of this starting pitching depth leads to the Mariners having the highest pitching uh, fan graphs war in the entire league. Unfortunately, the offense is not holding up the same end of the bargain. The last two games each have been one to nothing. One of them the Mariners won, the other one the Mariners lost. But the Mariners offense starts with everyone's favorite, Julio Rodriguez. Rookie of the year last year, the god of Seattle. We love him. But unfortunately, he started off slow this year. He turned it around in May and just won AL Player of the Week this past week. He's on pace for a 30-30 season and one of four players with 10 home runs and 10 steals this year. And he is going to be a Mariner for life. We have got him for a while, and we're really excited. Uh, Jared Kelnick, he's the most improved player on the Mariner. He was a top prospect who many people thought would bust, 
And now he's breaking out this year in a big way. He's our cleanup hitter and he is kicking butt. Unfortunately, those are though that uh, those two and JP Crawford are really the only players that are hitting well right now. They are third in the majors in strikeout percentage at 25%. And a lot of the new additions the Mariners got this offseason have been struggling. We got Colton Wong and Teoscar Hernandez in the offseason through trades. And we didn't sign any big free agent hitters, which have been a big problem for the Mariners. And a lot of problems in the fan base and a lot of anger has been the fact that the Mariners are not participating in free agency and spending the money that they need to. Right now, they traded for Teoscar Hernandez, who has the highest, who has the most strikeouts in the league this year. And Colton Wong has been a top 10 worst hitter this year and is currently hitting 170. Um, and the fan base is very upset because we could have signed all these free agent hitters, all these free agent second basemen and shortstops and DHs to fill these needs. And we just never did it. We never spent the money. We could have had Marcus Semyon. We could have got Chris Bryant. I don't really want Chris Bryant, but we could have got like Trey Turner if we would have spent the money and the Mariners front office just didn't do it. Um, in 2021 and 2022, the Mariners won 90 games each of those two years. And that's because they had ungodly luck in one run games. They won so many more than the average team. Like normally you'd expect to be 50, 50, they won 65, 70% of one run games. And that is unsustainable. And, and the Mariners, uh, the fan base called it chaos ball. Every game was super close. It was very fun to watch. Unfortunately, this year we've regressed to the mean and we're more, we're more average in one run games, which means our, our record is only one game above 500. Luckily, Mariners have a lot of young talent. We'll be on this team for a few more years. Cal Raleigh, Jared, Julio, all the pitchers are under, excuse me, under team control for a long time now. And we're going to have them for the next three or four years. The question is, is the front office going to be willing to spend the money to supplement the talent for the roster instead of just um, kind of cheap, playing cheap and not getting the guys that'll build this team into a World Series champion? Well, thank you, Benny, for that amazing fan rant. Now we know so much about the Mariners. We have reached the segment that makes Vegas happy and proves that the house does always win. Stick by your picks. Gabriel and I give your ironclad picks. We won't change our minds no matter what happens between now and the game. Our lawyers have asked us to let you know you should not bet your house in our picks. This is for entertainment purposes only. With NFL training camp just around the corner, we thought it would be a good time to make our season predictions based upon their draft picks, free agent transactions, and what our gut tells us. We will let you know which teams we think will win each division, dominate the playoffs, and who we think will take home the Lombardi Trophy this year. Gabriel, who's winning? The NFC South. The Atlanta Falcons are gonna win the NFC South, led by a young duo of quarterback running back from uh, Desmond Ritter coming into his second year being the play caller. I believe he will step it up from his last year's performance, and I believe he will help lead the Falcons to a division title, the first since they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. I agree with you. The NFC South will go to the Atlanta Falcons. B. John Robinson, the new star running back, will help them lead the way. 
He will be the guiding light. He will lead them to the playoffs. Gabriel, who's winning the NFC North? In the NFC North, I have the Detroit Lions, led by Jared Goff, who, after last season's after last season's great improvement, the Lions are poised to win the title for the first time in a long time. Shockingly, I agree with you on this one. The Detroit Lions will win the NFC North. For the NFC West, I have the San Francisco 49ers. Even though they have quarterback issues, all of their other players will step it up and be the stars on their team. I, I also agree with you. Brock Purdy at will keep go building onto his onto his amazing performance from last year, and I believe him with the amazing roster around him will win another NFC West title. To cap off the NFC, who wins the NFC East? Uh, the reigning NFC champions, the Philadelphia Eagles will repeat and win the NFC East again with their new with their quarterback Jalen Hurts who can do it all. I agree with you. This is the fourth time already all of the NFC teams I have agreed with you. But yes, the Philadelphia Eagles will win this year's NFC East. Gabriel, who wins the AFC East? After having Making big splashes in free agency this summer. The Miami Dolphins will win the AFC East. Led by Tua Tungavailoa and with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle as weapons. With their newly signed cornerback Jalen Ramsey, they, no team in the AFC East will be able to stop them. I have one team in mind. The New England Patriots! That's right. The New England Patriots will bounce back from last year's disappointment to win the AFC East and beat out the Bills, the Jets, and yes, the Miami Dolphins. For the AFC East, for the AFC West, I have, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is still a magician and will not surprise us as he crushes the competition in the AFC West. I disagree with you here. Mr. Unlimited will come back with a bounce back year, and the Denver Broncos will win the AFC West and the Super Bowl. No one will be able to stop them, as they will get a healthy running back in Javante Williams, and they also upgraded their offensive line, which will help Russ not get sacked as much, and the Denver Broncos, with Sean Payton as their coach, will win the AFC West and the Super Bowl. You, that is, no, that is totally wrong. Do you know why? Broncos country, you're gonna lose. Russell Wilson is out of his prime. Even with a star coach like Sean Payton, Russell Wilson will never be the same. He is now too old to play football. Gabriel, who wins the AFC North? 
for the third time in a row, the Cincinnati Bengals, led by Joe Burrow and Jamal Chase, will once again win the AFC North. As nobody, no one else in this division has been able to even touch the Bengals in the last three seasons, and you can expect them to have another deep playoff run this year. Do you know who can't be touched because he's too fast? Lamar Jackson. After signing that huge contract with the Ravens, he will perform spectacularly, showing everyone what he's made of. It's Lamar time. It's Lamar Jackson. I disagree with you. Lamar Jackson is too injury-prone to help his team win the AFC North, and again, the Ravens will fall short. Yes, he is injury-prone, but guess what? Joe Burrow can't throw the ball when he gets sacked 15 times a game. With no offensive line, Joe Burrow stands no chance again in the AFC North. And Gabriel, in our last division, who wins the AFC South? Hot off a off one of the best playoff comebacks ever, the Jacksonville Jaguars, led by Trevor Lawrence, will repeat as AFC South champions and win it this year. As their young wide as their young wide quarterback running back duo in Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne will help them win it again, and their um their defense, which added some key pieces, will help them make even an even deeper playoff run than last year. That is where we both agree. The Jacksonville Jaguars, led by Super Bowl winning coach Doug Peterson, will take them. To the playoffs. The Jaguars have no competition in the Tennessee Titans, Texans, and and the Colts both have quarterback issues, which are not solved. So the Jacksonville Jaguars will cruise into the playoffs. But finally, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Gabriel and Ives Super Bowl picks. Gabriel, who's winning your 2024? Super Bowl. My Super Bowl matchup is a rematch of Super Bowl 24, the San Francisco 49ers against the Denver Broncos. But unlike Super Bowl 24, the Denver Broncos will dominate San Francisco and they will bring back their fourth Super Bowl. That is where you are completely wrong. See, both of those teams are not even making it to the Super Bowl. One, Broncos not even making it to the playoffs. Two, San Francisco has no chance against the Eagles. And my NFC winner, the Detroit Lions, baby. That's right. The Detroit Lions will prevail as Dan Campbell went, goes to his first Super Bowl. And to face the Lions in the Super Bowl, we have the New England Patriots, baby. With Mac Jones as their quarterback. And their phenomenal defense after adding one of the best cornerback, cornerbacks in the draft in Christian Gonzalez. This New England Patriots team will make it to the Super Bowl. Now winning this 2024 matchup in the Super Bowl, it will be the New England Patriots restoring their dynasty and proving that Bill Belichick is and will always be the best coach in football.
Today, my guest is George Hasiotis, a sophomore offensive lineman for the community school in Naples, who already has 10 D1 offers. How are you doing today? Doing great, Joan. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on the podcast. It's good to hear. Good to hear. So my first question right off the bat is what has motivated you to get here where you are today? I think my biggest motivator is uh, my mom. I'm really close to my mom and um, making her proud, making her happy is really important to me. So uh, achieving my goals these past couple of years and working hard for it, that's really, uh, that's really benefited me and my mom. So, yeah. Sounds like you have a great relationship with your mom. Let's talk about the negative side. Has anybody doubted your ability? And if so, how does that motivate you every day to improve? Yeah, of course. There's, there's always going to be people that, that prey on your downfall or that don't think you're good enough, don't think you're big enough, strong enough, or fast enough. That just motivates me to, to, to prove them wrong and really just hone in on, like, the negatives in my game. So, uh, and just, like, to improve every part of my game that I'm doubted upon. So, you have 10 D1 offers. College is only a few years away. What college would be your dream college? Yeah, so I have I have ten Division one offers right now. My um my number one, my dream college is the University of Notre Dame. I'm not currently offered by them right now, but I do have my number two school, which is Stanford. So I'm not I'm not set on a certain school, but Notre Dame was definitely it's been my number one forever. But uh, I'm not I'm not set in stone on a certain school. Okay, well, that's a big goal right there. Sanford, congratulations again on Sanford. Thank you. What coach would you love to be coached by in college? Um, You know, Marcus Freeman for Notre Dame, I really like his philosophy. He's a new coach. He's young. He's ready and he's hungry. I think being coached by someone like that is really important to me. And for my what? position coach, also, like, for them to be young and, and just hungry and ready to ready to compete. Um, I just like his the run-first offense, I think. That's really important to what I want to do. And uh, just being able to pound the rock in college, it's really important to getting wins. And I want to get wins. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. as I mentioned before, you have 10 D1 offers. How does it feel to have 10 D1 offers and you're only a rising sophomore? It just feels great to see my hard work pay off and the people in my corner supporting me all the way through. It's really important to have a, a big, like a base system of people that help you along the way in order to help you achieve your goals. So, yeah, it's just – it's been a dream come true. Well, I'm very happy for you. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. So, you said Notre Dame was your, your dream school, but what, what are you looking for in a college before you commit to them for football? I'm basically just looking for a family, you know, just a team that that's – they're all around. They're competitive. They compete together. They live together. They die for each other. I think that's really important to, to getting wins as well. Because you build a good team culture. Mm, that's very important. So I, I like that answer. Good teammates and you got to be together in community. Could you explain a little bit about your experience so far in the recruitment process to becoming a college athlete? Yeah, for sure. So my eighth grade year, I played um, for IMG Academy. It's a boarding school in Tampa. And I actually transferred back this past year, my ninth grade year to uh, the community school of Naples to play under offensive line coach Eugene Chung, who was a coach in the NFL, played in the NFL. And I got my first offer in November after our second to last game. Uh, it was the University of Louisville. So that was really a big step. That was a big first step in my recruiting process. I visited the school. I met the coaches. 
it was an awesome experience. And then from then, it really just took off. Uh, really expanded my social media where coaches would see me more more often and uh, got me in front of them more often. So now, I mean, looking down the road, six months later, I have 10 D1 offers. Yeah, that's amazing. You're still in high school, just like me. How have you balanced school and football this past year? Yeah, um, it's been a challenge for sure. I'm in a lot of hard classes. But um, just, just knowing that doing well academically will benefit my future, that's really important because I know sometimes it gets hard, but you got to think of how it's going to benefit you and how you're always going to be able to have that as a backup plan. So that's important to me as well. That's smart, looking for your future. Yep. So how has football affected your life in a positive way? Football has changed my life. Like football is the number one thing in my life where I, I go to for happiness and for for peace. You know, it's it's just the main thing that I work for, the main thing for that that I strive for, other than happiness for my family. And football, I think it brings it brings both that it brings happiness for me and happiness for my family because I'm in an overall better state of mind. That's very encouraging. What are some encouraging words of wisdom from a high school student already gone through freshman year? and already has 10 D1 offers to kids who are trying to work harder to get still that first D1 offer? Yeah, I would just say it's never too late and never never stop working. Never have, have negative thoughts towards, never have thoughts of doubt because at the end of the day, if you have, if you have faith in God, God will always have a plan for you. And um, no, matter, no matter how big, how tall, how strong you are, if you work hard, you're going to achieve your goals. Well, thank you, George, for uh giving up some of your time today for me to interview you but before we go i have a rapid fire quiz for you all right awesome let's go are you ready i'm ready for it all right hot dog or hamburger hamburger for sure car or motorcycle Uh, i'm a car guy couch or chair couch for sure cat or dog dogs man come on Cold weather or hot weather? I'm a cold weather guy, to be honest. Baseball or basketball? Basketball. Basketball. Prime video or Netflix? Netflix. Beard or mustache? Beard. And Brady or Rogers? Come on now, that's too easy. TB12, man. TB12. And finally, what is your highest score in bowling? In bowling? Bowling. Oh, I got to think back. I think it was around like 163, 164. Pretty good. That's decent. That's decent. Good yeah, job. Pretty good at bowling. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, and enjoy your rest of the day. For sure. Thank you for having me on the pod, Jonah. Yeah, no problem. All right, man. See you. Thank you, George, for that amazing interview. Now, what would sports talk be without lists? So here is my list of the day. Top five nicknames given to NFL players. Number five, the bus. Given to Jerome Bettis. Number four, of course, we're going with Deion Sanders' nickname, Prime Time. Number three, we're going the robot himself, Megatron. Or Calvin Johnson. Robots in disguise. Number two, we have the one, the only, Beast Mode. 
aka Marshawn Lynch. And at number one, we have the refrigerator. William Perry, one of the best defensive linemen ever to play. He was a tank. He was the fridge. Well, that does it, folks. The Little Man Big Mouth Podcast. Check out next episode when it drops. Until then, see ya. Follow the show on Insta at Little Man Big Mouth Show. Keep up with the latest episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast provider. The Little Man Big Mouth Podcast is an exclusive creation of Hefeweizen Podcast Production.